The Italian Wine Podcast is introducing a new donation drive this month. It's called Why Am I a Fan? We are encouraging anyone who tunes in on a regular basis to send us your 10-second video on why you are a fan of our podcast network or a specific show. We will then share your thoughts with the world with the goal of garnering support for our donation drive. Italian Wine Podcast is a publicly funded, sponsor-driven enterprise that needs you in order to continue to receive awesome free wine edutainment seven days a week. We are asking our listeners to donate to the Italian Wine Podcast by clicking either the GoFundMe link or the Patreon link found on italianwinepodcast.com. Remember, if you sign up as a monthly donor on our Patreon, we will send you a free IWP t-shirt and a copy of the Wine Democracy book, the newest Mama Jumbo Shrimp publication. Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. I'm Cynthia Chaplin, and this is Voices. Every Wednesday, I will be sharing conversations with international wine industry professionals, discussing issues in diversity, equity, and inclusion through their personal experiences working in the field of wine. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate our show wherever you get your pods. Hello, this is Cynthia Chaplin, and today I'm very happy to welcome Jen Pelka to Voices. She's the co-founder and the CEO of Unfam, a new line of champagne and sparkling wines made by women winemakers and supporting women-focused causes. Jen's career in restaurants began at Chef Daniel Boulot's iconic New York restaurant, Daniel, where she ultimately became the U.S. competition director for the Bocuse d'Or. And she founded the Riddler Champagne Bar in New York and in San Francisco. And she was named among Forbes's 30 Under 30, along with a load of other awards and accolades, too many to mention. So welcome to the show, Jen. So nice to have you. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, huge pleasure. So before we get going, I have to ask you, I, I know you've got a degree in philosophy of science from Stanford. What the heck got you into hospitality and wine? <laughs> it's a great question. Um, yeah, I I loved studying philosophy of science because really it was a an opportunity to learn about history and the notion of truth and proof and, you know, just all the big questions about the world. Um, but I had a real passion and love for restaurants, food, cooking, home entertaining. Um, I grew up in a household that we always had food around. We were always entertaining, always having big dinner parties. And my dad's parents um, owned diners and delis in New Jersey. And my dad's father, my grandfather, actually, for the last 20 years of his life, was the chef of the Ocean County, New Jersey jail. Oh, holy cow. That's a niche thing. <laughs> Super niche. And he would come home from work with his whites on and his side towel and, uh, you know, apron. And he would always bring home the two things that were in surplus. So it was bananas and cream puffs were the two things. He would make cream puffs for the for the prisoners all the time. And so, you know, restaurants and food were just like a really big part of our family culture. And actually, when I graduated from school, the first thing that I wanted to do was to move to San Francisco and open a restaurant. And my parents were like, you're crazy. Don't do that. Get a regular job. Move to New York. 
work in, you know, something more traditional like a hedge fund or private equity or investment banking, et cetera. And I actually got a job. And pay off your student loans and be a normal person. Exactly. And so I ended up working at a hedge fund, but I started hearing about the idea that you could do stages, uh, which are essentially like free internships working in restaurants, especially fine dining restaurants. And I was really lucky to get a stage at Danielle on the Upper East Side, which at the time was Michelin three-star, New York Times four-star restaurant. And I started working there on Saturdays. And I ended up working there every Saturday for a year and a half and just falling in love with being in kitchens at that level. And eventually ended up actually working for Danielle for about five years in a variety of roles. You know, everything from working many positions on the line in the kitchen to eventually becoming Danielle's research assistant, which is where I really learned from truly the best in the business about um, all of the creative business avenues that exist within food and wine. And that's when I really got the bug. That's that's such a cool story. And so many of us who are in wine came to it through, you know, working on the floor in a restaurant, being a waitress or, you know, doing something in a kitchen. Uh, and I, I love the story of your grandparents with diners in New Jersey. It sounds like ideal grandparents, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You went on with, with Danielle. You had a hugely successful career, I know, in food and wine e-commerce and communication. And after you left Danielle, you founded um, Magnum PR in San Francisco and Riddler, as I said, in, in San Francisco and New York. And all of the businesses that you started just flourished and blew up. So I'm kind of wondering what made you decide to step away and launch Unfam, especially, you know, as you told me earlier, in February of 2020, not the most ideal moment to launch a new business. And I know that sadly, you lost your own home in a fire. So it sounds like a completely nutty time to start a new business. What what drove you to do that? What gave you like the nerve to do it, basically? Yeah, it definitely was a crazy time, I think, for all of us. I had the Riddler Champagne Bars in both San Francisco and New York, and that really was where the idea for the brand started. And it was a project that we worked on for about a year before it actually launched. So we certainly didn't set out to launch something in the midst of COVID, but it, or just right before COVID, but it, it just kind of happened that way. It happened that way to so many of us. <laughs> I know, it's so true. It's so, so, so true. Yeah, for us, the reason why we launched the brand was that we, you know, at the Riddler, all of our investors were women. We had 33 investors in San Francisco, 40 investors in New York, all women ages from their early 20s to their 70s, many women who'd never invested in a restaurant before, but who were all excited about the idea of getting involved in a champagne bar and also getting involved in a restaurant that was all funded by women. And so that became really a big part of our community, our culture, our history, all of our press coverage, et cetera, always mentioned that. And so we had so many women who came to the restaurant and, um, you know, we would serve hundreds of different styles of champagne by the bottle. And our champagne list could be a little bit daunting for a typical customer who comes in and doesn't necessarily know all the names of the grower producers or even what, let's say, Blanc de Blanc versus Blanc de Noir is. And we would always feature a section on the list that was women-made wines. And those wines would really outsell all of the others. You know, you can imagine you in for dinner with some of your girlfriends or trying to decide what to order and you know you want something sustainable or organic, but you also see, oh my gosh, I can get a wine made by a woman winemaker. Of course, you're going to go for that. I have four daughters. We go for all the women wines. All the women wines. 
but it's hard it's hard to know which wines are made by women um and that was a question that we got really explicitly guests would ask us how can i reliably know that a wine is made by a woman winemaker or gives back to charities that benefit women and so we decided to launch a house brand that was all about women. And so our first wine that we launched was an organic grower-producer champagne made in partnership with Julie Medvi of the Gonet Medvi family. Yes, yes. And love her. She's so amazing and she crafts such beautiful wines. And um, that was the first wine. So that was a really classic Chardonnay forward, um, beautiful, beautiful organic grower-producer champagne. Um, that was the first wine that we launched at the bars. And then we also noticed that our, like, just truly looking at our sales reports every week in both locations, um, in San Francisco and in New York, that our top selling wine was always whatever we were featuring as our sparkling rosé by the glass. It's such a wave and people here in Italy are missing it. I'm working on this. Oh, really? Spread the word. It's like, it is, it's so fun to drink rosé always and when it's sparkling rosé all the better <laughs> and um there's a lot of really cool sparkling rosé out there i utterly agree with you it's like it's just such a fun style of wine to drink but i wasn't finding a sparkling rosé from the u.s that was dry that was also affordable enough to be by the glass pricing for us and so i reached out to one of my friends whose wines we love from california her name is samantha sheehan she makes Poe, she makes Ultraviolet, and then she also now has a really killer um, vermouth called Mom and Pop that she's gotten. Oh, wow. Oh, they're so delicious. And I reached out to her and was like, hey, can we make a rosé together? And so that was our first California wine that we made. And um, that's pretty Pinot Noir focused, and it's Pinot and Chard, but um, it's just delicious. It's juicy and fresh and dry and really, really food friendly. So that was the second wine that we launched. That one's called the Cali. Each of our wines are named after women. And she's the Cali because uh, that wine is our California sparkling rosé. Of course, of course. Um, anybody who's listening needs to go check out your website as well, because um, the labels are cool as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So how how are you finding these women winemakers? Like Samantha Sheehan, that's an obvious one for you because you're in San Francisco. But, you know, you had a big list at Riddler of uh, women winemakers. And I know you're still very much pro-supporting women winemakers. How are you locating them and sourcing them? It's really honestly through um, our network of friends um, and also just what we see when we go out to dine. You know, the people who always clue us into what's coolest and most happening in terms of winemaking are our friends who are sommeliers and beverage directors or own cool wine shops. So I have a, a mental list of cool women winemakers who we love. And it's really honestly through like shopping and tasting. We are right now on the hunt for an additional champagne partner and also potentially women in who are producing cava and prosecco. Like our focus really is around sparkling wines. And my goal would be to have a stable of wines that are all representative of really great high quality sparkling wine producing regions 
And, you know, I can imagine Tasmania, I can imagine going to, you know, British Fizz, all of these, but, you know, it's a little bit one step at a time. So, of course, of course. Well, we're going to have to talk about Italian rose sparkler producers because uh, I can hook you up there. But, oh, amazing. I'd love to connect. Well, I'm really glad to hear that you're looking outside of California too, because it'd be easy for you to just stay there. Um, you know, and the, the Pinot and the Chardonnay are very top quality. So the fact that you're looking into other regions around the world is also really important, I think, for what you're doing, because it'll grow the visibility of your of your producers and also your ethos. Um, you know, I, I know that when you were at Magnum PR, in fact, you were really passionate about well-crafted storytelling and remarkable events that sort of bring brands to life. You know, is this still the path you're going to take as you go forward with Unfam? Because... Sounds like it's going to become many farm, not just Uno. <laughs> right. It already is many, for sure. It's, and also, like, the name implies that I'm the only person involved. And in fact, we are a, a, a big team. Last year at this time, it was just me and my brother, who's my co-founder. But now we're a team of 16. So we are, we are um, constantly growing and adding more people onto our, onto our team. Well, ironically, when I first found you, I will tell you that I took the name Unfam to mean the wine, not you. Oh, well, that's good. That's great. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we really believe that all it takes is one woman to shatter another glass ceiling, which is where the name comes from. And um, we have a, a really, really great program where we honor 365 women in a year who shatter glass ceilings. And, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And um, that program is, I think, really representative of what you were talking about with what we did at Magnum PR, which is, you know, we see this brand as a real opportunity, not only to highlight women winemakers and to team up with charities that benefit women, but for women to use our wines as a way to celebrate their own successes and also... And storytelling, for sure. Absolutely. 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 And to give these wines as gifts to other women in their lives who have really inspired them to dream big and to break through in their own way. And, um, you know, we're always thinking about, could we launch something really big, like a conference or um, an event that brings women together, of course, to drink a lot of sparkling wines, but also to learn from one another and collaborate from one another. And I think that conference would be the most sought after conference on the face of the earth, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely would be a lot of fun. So more to come. <laughs> well, that's, that's really cool. I'll just follow that up. Um, so is that something that you're really looking into doing as like a, a B2B forum or more as a, you know, an opportunity, as you said, for women to taste other women's wines to see what's happening what do you envision for that for that conference because that's a really interesting idea yeah absolutely it, there certainly would be components of it that would be wine making specific or uh, wine education um there's an area of wine education that i'm really passionate about for women which is really around wine in the kind of like in the workplace so for example if you as a woman go out to dinner um, as a business meeting, still it so often happens that the man at the table receives the wine list and orders the wine. And I think there's like all the time, all the time, all the time. And I think there's a real power move that women can make, which is, you know, taking that wine list and saying, let me order the first bottle and knowing like enough about champagne and sparkling wines to feel confident in being able to pronounce the words correctly and to know 
you know, what style of champagne they might be interested in and order that as the first bottle. So I'm kind of on a mission to get women to do more of that. I think that's a great like mentoring project right there, a training project, a mentoring project that's really inspired because it is, I mean, it, it's, it always amuses me. We have a, we have a laugh in my household. My husband doesn't drink at all. And we go out for dinner and invariably they hand him the wine list. Of course. I take it away. He hands it to me and says, I don't drink, hands it to me. And when the sommelier comes back, they invariably ask him again what he has chosen. Uh, It's sort of, it's a 10 step process of no, it's going to be my wife who chooses the wine. But in business situations, it's even worse. Uh, And in Italy, that's, that's something that's definitely true, you know, to this day, sadly, wine business is still very much run by, you know, old guys <laughs> um, of course. and they get handed the wine list. So I think what you're looking at in terms of um, training and mentoring and inspiring self-confidence and teaching women to confidently yet, you know, with, with graciousness, take that step and take hold of the wine list and order that first bottle. It is a power move. And that's like, really setting the tone for a much more equitable discussion. Oh, absolutely. It's so, so, so important. It's It feels like something kind of small, but it actually is incredibly impactful. And women have so much buying power and sway over the wine industry in general. So I think it's really important that women, you know, people in general, but women specifically, continuously seek out brands that they're supporting with their wallet, that they feel are really aligned with their own personal mission and vision for how they want to be, you know, relating to the world. So some of that, of course, is around sustainability and fair wages and all of those pieces. But also some of it has to do with like, who runs the companies that I'm supporting. And I increasingly think about this with all consumer goods that I buy. Um, It's not always the easiest to figure out um, the details behind it. But when we've got good solutions, it's, um, it's a it's a helpful piece for consumers for sure. Are you enjoying this podcast? There's so much more high quality wine content available from Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Check out our new wine study maps, our books on Italian wine, including Italian Wine Unplugged, The Jumbo Shrimp Guide to Italian Wine, Sangiovese Lambrusco, and other stories, and much, much more on our website, mamajumboshrimp.com. Now back to the show. I think it's also useful for for people in the hospitality industry to understand that, you know, particularly in America, but in the UK as well, and in Africa uh, also, the numbers are are proving that women are buying the wine. Um, you know, over sixty percent of all wines bought in those three countries are bought by women. So, um, I think people who are in the industry serving wine, selling wine, um, need to understand that women. You know, women are going to show their support with their purse. You know, they're going to buy or they're not going to buy depending on how they're treated. So I think there's a training element that goes beyond the consumer and right into the industry, how to treat women who walk into your restaurant or your bar or whatever, because you don't know who they are. You don't know what they know about wine. You don't know where they are in their industry. And you've got to be careful. So true. So true. Watch out for those ladies who know what they're doing. <laughs> well, this is you've played right into my hand because I read a quote where you described yourself as part of a badass crew of women and you love serious wines, but you don't take yourselves too seriously. And you pair your champagne with tater tot waffles 
and serve your caviar with potato chips and offer free popcorn all day and all night. And you're always happy to saber a bottle for anybody in the alleyway outside of your restaurant. So yeah. first of all, I cannot get on board with that enough. I can't uh, see how much I would like to be part of that group. But seriously, in terms of you know educating people, how, how do you translate your kind of slightly irreverent look at this um, and your welcoming approach into your customer education? You know, when you've got people coming in, what language are you using? You know, you, you were commenting about how difficult it can be to look at a champagne menu, especially a large one. And not be sure of the words, not be sure of the French, not be sure of the terms or the domains. Um, what are you doing to reach out and educate and stop that intimidation and that exclusivity for your consumers? Yeah, I think for us, it's always all about relating to the wine drinker about what they really love to drink, what what turns them on, what gets them excited. Uh, my favorite way to do it is you know, in a live tasting environment with a group of people to get them to try multiple wines at once and just make a decision for themselves of what they like. And then for them to kind of break down, okay, what do I like about this wine? Is it the way it smells, the way it tastes, the weight on the palate? Is it the level of sweetness, the level of like fruit expression? Is it a yeasty, lazy characteristic? All of those pieces. And then once you can get to, okay, this is what I like about it, then we can kind of break down, all right, the reason why you like this wine is because of this particular way in which it's made or the varietal composition, et cetera. But at the end of the day, uh, we try to create wines that are pretty representative, actually, of the palette of what we knew was popular at the Riddler. We had, you know, hundreds of thousands of interactions with our guests at the Riddler and came to know what they really loved. And, you know, what is popular right now, which is totally in line with my palate, is dry. I I love wines that still have beautiful like fruit characteristics to them. So I'm not like super, super into the crazy crazy high acid wines. I do love them sometimes with certain foods, but I like a beautifully balanced sparkling wine that um, has some lazy yeasty characteristics and um, is going to taste just as good on its own as an aperitif or maybe after dinner um, and is also going to be really food friendly. I think another big piece of it is what you mentioned around um, you know, our approach to food at the Riddler, which was all about the high-low. You know, I think that our wines are intentionally built to be, um, you know, uh, accompaniments to things that are fancy, but also accompaniments to just, you know, what we're eating and drinking every day. Uh, you know, I love the idea of drinking sparkling wines at brunch. Um, I love the idea of drinking sparkling wines with great pizza, even with burgers, certainly with fried chicken, as we all know, you know, French fries and anything that wants some acidity. Fondue, my favorite. Right? The best, the best, the best. And, you know, these wines don't have to be reserved for a really special occasion. They don't have to be reserved for New Year's Eve or a wedding toast. Um, and they're, you know, they're, they're meant to be enjoyed every day. And the reason why I fell in love with sparkling wines to begin with is that I do really feel like they turn every day into a celebration. Like when you pop a bottle of bubs. That is so true. I, I think we need that on a t-shirt. When you pop a bottle of bubs. <laughs> that is so right. It's yeah. It's funny. I, you know, some of my favorite memories are, you know, long night 
you know, we all work late hours, you know, being in the industry, you know, our work tends to go late, coming home sort of one or two in the morning, being really tired and just poached egg on toast and a glass of fizz. That was heaven. The best. It didn't have to be anything special. It just had to be there. <laughs> you know, and it, and it made the whole night all right. Gave me space to talk about what I, you know, what went well, what didn't, um, Again, my poor long-suffering husband who doesn't drink or my children who used to stay up and, and hear the stories of crazy wine people, uh, that, that having a glass of fizz in your hand really changes the, the discussion from you know just talking about work to actually sort of connecting with it again. Absolutely. We can all do fancy. Doing fancy is very easy. I think sometimes we, we forget to do cozy. It's so true. I think of it almost like a really great sense of personal style. One of my favorite outfits, of course, is like a great pair of Levi's, a, um, you know, a white tee, a, a leather moto jacket, a pair of heels and a red lip. And like that is to me such a good example of truly the high low. And I think you want to approach your the way that you're thinking about your food in the same way of like, you want some fancy stuff, but you also want some casual, approachable, familiar pieces um, to make up your own personal style. Yeah. And those two things go together. So I, I like this concept of high low as well. I haven't heard it used that way. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to steal that from you. So before we go too much further, I just want to ask you, you, you sort of alluded a bit to um, supporting women, you know, winemakers, women in the industry and, you know, paying back and working with charities and things like that. How, how are you acting on that commitment? Because you've obviously formed these great women teams and your brother, poor, your poor brother is surrounded by women all the time. But, <laughs> but you've, you've clearly got, you know, a real spine of some strong women and I know you want to pay it back. So what are you doing through Unfam or what were you doing from Magnum or the Riddler to sort of outreach into the community? How are you paying back? Absolutely. Well, each of our wines has a direct uh, charitable partner. This is really core to our DNA as a brand. Um, and each of our wines gives back financially to each of those charities. So our two key charities are uh, the Breast Cancer Research Fund. Obviously, breast cancer affects so many women um, really around the world. And anything that we can do to help to support research and even awareness for breast cancer is incredibly important to us. We also give back to an organization called Dress for Success, which is a great organization that is global that supports women um, as they're getting back into the workforce after they've been through some sort of a tough time. And they started as an organization that would give you know appropriate business apparel to these women, but it's really grown into an organization that's focused on career training and and you know providing opportunities for women to truly get back into the workforce. So for us, th that is a, a big, big piece of what we do. We donate tens of thousands of dollars on a quarterly basis to the charities that we're involved in. And I, I think one of the things I'm most proud about as we continue to grow and to scale as a company is that we're able to make larger contributions as we do so. And our, our biggest partner is Delta Airlines. So next time you fly Delta, we are a global partner to Delta, which I, you know, I'm such a huge Delta fan even before all of this, but we're our sparkling white wine, the Betty is available on all of the planes in the US. And increasingly we are, we're on many of the international flights as well. So I was actually flying back from Rome 
uh, recently and had some some of our sparkling wines on that plane. And it was pretty exciting to be drinking it, you know, from an international flight back to the U.S. Huge congratulations, because it is not easy to make that sort of a thing happen. I, I want to know, like, a couple things I'm going to say before I carry on with this question, just for listeners who aren't sure where all these words are coming from. But the Riddler, you know, riddling is is the motion of turning sparkling wine bottles you know, that are being made champagne style, Methodo Classico, as we say in Italy, um, to help the lees fall down into the neck of the bottle. So um, it's not it's not a Batman name. It's a it's a winemaking name. But uh, the the Betty comes from Betty White, the famous American actress um, who who passed away not all that long ago. And as you said, the Cali is um, your California winemaker. So I love the fact that all of your wines have a story. Uh, your your businesses have had a story even before you had these wines. So I can see this is something really close to your heart. And I'm just wondering, where else are you selling? What what formats of your bottles are doing the best? Who's your biggest customer base? What's happening with, with the wines? Well, first and foremost, um, our website is a big hub for us. So all of our wines are available on our website. And um, that's one of the places where we get to, you know, interact with the customer directly, which is really wonderful. We actually just launched really beautiful gift packs um, and corporate gifting, which is really cool too, because we get a lot of requests from people who are leading, um, you know, within their company, diversity and inclusion initiatives or um, female powered groups or even book clubs, things like that, where people are looking for the opportunity to gift um, many gifts all at once. So that our website's been a big piece of the puzzle. Um, we also do have national distribution throughout the country in the U.S. We are looking at international distribution. Um, it's definitely on the on my mind for next year. So more to come on that. But a lot of a lot of questions to answer before we actually can can do that. You know, really, the wines are available. All it's not all that easy these days. Logistics and everything else. This COVID, it's tough stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, the wine business more than anything is a supply chain business at this point. It's absolutely. It really the in many ways the least complicated part is the winemaking. The more complicated parts are getting the wines where they need to be and making sure you've got enough bottles and packaging and um, and all of those pieces. But um, but we, yeah, uh, in terms of where we're available across the U.S., we have an amazing partnership with the Ritz-Carlton. So we're available by the glass at every Ritz-Carlton in the U.S. So anybody who's ever, you know, traveling to the Ritz, they can certainly ask for us. And then we're at great independent restaurants and independent retailers um, really across the U.S. So we've got um, a store locator on our website and we are always trying to keep it up to date, but the the wines are pretty readily available, yeah, um, especially in big cities, and increasingly more and more so throughout the U.S. So you are clearly this incredibly brave, risk taking kind of leader, as you said, badass person. Uh, what's next for you? What's what's next coming up with Umfam? You said looking at international distribution, but. Um, what else have you got in your in your sort of dreamscape? How do you stay so fearless and keep breaking all of these glass ceilings, as you said? Well, definitely on the on the horizon, as I said, yeah, international distribution um, is a big one for us next year. Um, going much much deeper in the U.S. and making sure that these wines are available at you know every great retail, every great restaurant that we can possibly um, connect with, particularly women led restaurants and women-led retailers. 
that's very, very important to us to at least connect with those women and taste them on the wines and see if it's a fit for them. We also would love to launch some sort of a wine club next year. We don't know exactly what it will look like, but I think it would probably be a combination of our wines and some cool collaborative projects. Uh, we love to do collaborations, and we've actually got a great one coming up right after Christmas for the New Year's holiday. We're teaming up with, there's an amazing cupcake company in the U.S. called Sprinkles that's super popular. They've got like 25 locations around the country. They're really big in L.A. and New York and Florida. And we're launching a Cure Royale cupcake with them for New Year's, which will be super fun. Amazing. I need that in my life. Yeah. So we love to do those kinds of collabs too. And um, for us, we're always looking for ways to team up with other women-led brands and bring something special to our audience. Well, that is fantastic. I don't think we can beat that, Jen. So I'm going to let you go. And I can't thank you enough for giving us some time today and telling us about Umfam, because I think what you're doing is really important for uh, the wine industry as a whole. You are leading. And I think you're also giving other women sort of the guts to, to try some things outside of the box that maybe they wouldn't try without somebody who could inspire them and, and possibly even lift them up and mentor them a bit. So uh, we wish you all the very, very best. And thank you so much for coming on today. Of course. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And I hope everybody goes out and, and drinks a bottle of, of something special and sparkling today. Thank you for listening, and remember to tune in next Wednesday when I'll be chatting with another fascinating guest. Italian Wine Podcast is among the leading wine podcasts in the world and the only one with a daily show. Tune in every day and discover all our different shows. You can find us at italianwinepodcast.com, SoundCloud, Spotify, Himalaya, or wherever you get your pods.